Oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm back now. Oh cool. I've got my right. coffee. I'm I'm good. I'm ready to go whenever you guys are. <laughs> All right, awesome. Start with a introduction to everything cuz um anyone's on here that doesn't know uh who you are. Okay, sure thing. Yeah. Um my name's Guy. Uh, I'm the director of Difficulty Breathing and um yeah, I'll be doing a Q&A or live commentary alongside here um with the screen, with the film playing, uh, any questions or anything you have about the film or any other films that were made in future films, anything you have, uh, feel free to ask. Otherwise, um, I hope you all enjoy. Thank you very much for coming in today. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, first things first, I'm kind of curious since, um, like, what are you, do you have anything new going on? Or this has been your last project so far, right? That was been released? Um, kind of, yeah. Well, um, I after I finished the Road Maiden, I made like three short films, um, which were very short, but not not really horror, um, just kind of like weird comedy or like just strange short films, um, but nothing that I really put too much um, effort into making or releasing. So they, they are floating around, but um, this was like the last main like proper film I did, I guess you could say. Um, and then since then. Um, I I kind of got my high off of making all those like short short films and I thought ready to settle down and do something a bit more serious again. So I've um I'm actually editing the kind of follow up, I guess you could say, to difficulty breathing. Um it's not a direct sequel, but it's kind of in the same vein and somewhat set in the same universe, um, I guess you could say. Uh and it's also my first like feature length film. So okay. uh I've finished filming that. I'm mostly done editing it now. I'm just doing all like the sound and ADR and kind of like the, the, the nitty gritty stuff at the moment. But yeah, that should hopefully be out um, maybe around the summertime this year. I'm hoping. Oh, cool. I look forward to that. Um, so who's yeah. the actress that's um, the main actress in this movie that we're about to watch? In Difficulty Breathing. Uh, <laughs> that's my friend Ulan. Um, she is, she is something really special. Uh, <laughs> she was um, just, just someone who, kind of frequented the same bars that I did and we got to talking. Uh we like all the same films. Um she's just this really bright, energetic, uh lovely, lovely girl. Um and just we just happen to share all the same interests. Um and when I asked if she wanted to like be in a film, because we were always talking about films whenever we met, she was just like, Yeah absolutely. She's like, yeah, I'll I'll do anything, anything you like. Um and then, yeah, we kind of just like, yeah, made difficulty breathing together. It was um, very, very haphazardly made, but she kind of just got on board with every and any requests that I had and happily did them. So, yeah, Ulan, she's just a very, um, you know, I guess you could say, well, she's not an actress. She's just a general working woman in Japan who loves movies. Yeah. Um, yeah, it makes me interesting because you made movies in UK as well, or were you, did you do most of your movies in Japan? Um, so I did the Road Maiden in, in England, like, ooh, I think it's coming up to like 10 years ago now. And then after I moved to Japan, uh, 2016, I thought, you know, while I'm here, I was only planning to be here for a year at that time. And I thought it'd be cool to make something again. And, um, I hadn't, I hadn't touched a camera since making the Road Maiden. Um, I'm not, I wasn't like an an active or actively pursuing filmmaking. I just thought, yeah, it'd be kind of cool to just um, make something again whilst I'm here. And, and yeah, that was, that was difficulty breathing. It was kind of just the film that 
I was able to make at that time in those kind of circumstances. And then, yeah, my following films, the, the, the three so short films, and then my new feature film that will be made in Japan as well. And, and you started before all this with a kind of like a YouTube channel, right? Like doing kind of videos before yeah. that? Yep. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. This is kind of long, long way, way long back. Um, I don't even remember when I started YouTube. Um, but yeah, I started reviewing like underground horror and strange Japanese films on YouTube. And that was kind of the reason I made um, The Road Maiden, if anyone ever saw that. It was, um, it was a silly snuff kind of comedy film. My original, well, my idea was the only people that only would ever actually see it um, would be my subscribers on YouTube, um, which is why it has that kind of like YouTube or uh, yeah. like how to feel about it. It was no, like, I, I primarily like made charm for about my, it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You know, I liked it where you kind of speaking, it was comical and kind of getting into it and added thanks, like an thanks. extra element of almost breaking the fourth wall. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, it was like, I thought no one is ever going to watch this apart from the few people that follow me on YouTube. So it was literally made for and catered for them with that YouTube style. Um, I wasn't expecting, you know, anything other than that, to be honest, like future films or releases or whatever. It was just kind of something to do there and then. Well, cool. Uh, yeah, let's just get the kind of movie started. We'll definitely add, have more questions um, as we go and then uh, afterwards. That's all. All right. Uh, three, two, one. I'm trying to think the last time I actually saw this film. Uh, I'm sure I'll remember things as we go, but yeah. Yeah, it's weird. I've, I've, a lot of these things I've noticed, a lot of people, it's like they haven't seen it in forever. And it makes sense. You kind of become disconnected with your art um, once mm. you've kind of put it out, I'm sure. Sure. I think, yeah, was, you spend so so long making it. And then, as as I'm sure all filmmakers are, you're, ne you're never really quite happy with the, the end result. So you kind of just like, yeah brush it aside but um but I've, yeah I've, I've, i had a lot of fun making this and i've really enjoyed the um the the uh the backlash <laughs> from it as well yeah, yeah. obviously this uh, opening thing is, is a homage to tetsuo um i was kind of um inspired by by the japanese cyberpunk um films for making this not not really like the um the themes and visuals but just like the um the the heightened tension and escalation of tension yeah um that you get a lot in japanese cyberpunk really kind of influenced me in the making of difficulty breathing which is why yeah as well as a kind of in instruction being it's so like heavily um reliant on sound i thought it'd be a nice little like addition to put that kind of tetsuo-esque screening uh screen yeah. at the beginning and the choppiness kind of fits in that cyberpunk too, and that's why I feel like stop motion works well in cyberpunk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I briefly mentioned, um, touched upon it before this started playing, but so I, I made this in my first year in Japan. I'm now in my fifth. I was coming into my sixth year in Japan, but um, I wasn't planning on being there any longer than my one year visa I had at that time um, and when I, when I came to Japan I had you know, it was literally I had very, very minimal kind of language skills um, little money uh, very few friends 
Um, so this was kind of like the only type of film that I could physically make at that time. Like one person in one room um, with no money, essentially. Um, as well as it being the kind of film that I wanted to make, a kind of like Japanese cyberpunk-influenced noise film, mm-hmm. like, which is also just set in like a single location. Because I, I like single location films as well. Um, so it kind of like just everything slotted together. It was the film that I'd wanted to make for a while, but it's also the only film that I physically could make at that point in my life. But like, yeah, everything was so haphazardly, haphazardly made. There was, um, there was no more than just a very kind of like rough idea of the kind of film that we were going to make. Um, there was no script and... There was just some some very messy doodles, like if you'd seen in the the uh, behind the scenes or the, the special features of the DVD. It's, um, it was kind of just a, a rough idea that we kind of just played into, and a lot of it was actually made during like post production. And then after we filmed like all the initial scenes, I called Ulan back to do a couple of extra scenes just to like uh, string it all together a little bit nicer. Um, but yeah, it was it was a very haphazardly made and not very well thought out film <laughs> has um has she done anything else um she appeared or she she was the main character in a um in another short film that i made after this um called 30 which i've not released or really done anything with it was um, made for um Shintaro Kago's Ship Film Festival. So Shintaro Kago is the, the manga artist um, who does a lot of the kind of like very cartoonish, poppy, but like erotic, grotesque stuff. And every year in um, in Japan, he does a ship film festival, mm-hmm. uh, which is just, it's, it's all just films based on shit. Like not, not real shit, but the themes are shit. Oh. And, um, and Ulan got, you know, back on board to uh, do a short film with me for that film festival so it's only been like screened i think once in japan for that twice in japan and then i haven't, I haven't really done anything with it to be honest and she hasn't done anything else either um she was actually planning on being the main character in like my new film um like kind of reprising the same role but under different circumstances but um i think some things kind of just like got in the way and through various reasons she wasn't able to participate anymore which is a shame but um we're gonna we're gonna do something again together in the future definitely do you feel it's easier to get actresses to do fetish in japan than it is in say like uk or america um yeah i would i would say so yeah i think everyone like in the kind of underground or like art scene or indie scene or kind of and a performance art based scene everyone's a bit more willing to kind of do something a bit kind of out there um, put themselves on the line a little bit more um, so yeah and i know i didn't really have that luck in england uh, as well in england as well the only film i shot was the rope maiden and that was a japanese girl in there as well so um yeah i definitely say it's it's easier to get the, the japanese on board to do something a bit more out there and fucked up for you definitely yeah. As I'm sure a lot of you would know from their like fetish films output as well. And you think that has pretty much everything to do with censorship, or because of you know the backlash of censorship? 
Um, could be. I mean, I think a lot of people are very just defined by their their um, day to day life and their their work out here, just doing the nine to five, which is never a nine to five in Japan. It's normally a nine to nine or ten or something. So people, I think, are very stuck in their their regime of going to work, coming back, just doing the daily life. So any any kind of opportunity to break out of their daily routine and do something which you know expressive. Um, I think a lot of times they will take up uh, take you up on the opportunity for that. Obviously, if they're interested in the project, at least. I never thought of it that way. Actually, I always thought it would be really hard to find act actors for these underground films like Pinocchio or Robert's Lover or something. It just seems there's I don't know. They have a lot of they put their guard up a lot in Japan about like seem kind of shy nervous about how they'll be judged and hmm. i think with um first with, with like rubs lover and pinocchio like all those people they were all in a band essentially so everyone involved in that film they they it was literally the band's movie so shows Bakuri's old noise band yeah um, uh, they all kind of made that together yeah okay well that, maybe that's not a good example maybe something more like evil well, like Trap or something or blood mm. like bloodborne or like the stuff that's more on the extreme like yeah it's I always thought it was kind of crazy that, you know, there's a horror scene in Japan, but I've never really heard of the horror scene, really, mm. other than in the movies I see. Sure. Um, but I think there is, like, I think Japan is deeply rooted in its, in its like, fetish genre films and culture. There's a lot of, lot of underground stuff going on. Um, and I think once you kind of, like, break into that, like, that layer, that layer of hell, so to speak... Um, it's relatively easy to, to find people. Um, again, going back to um, sorry, Robert's Lover, like a lot of the extra cast in that. So I'm just not not even talking about my own film now. <laughs> uh, it's all like people from the fetish scene and like the S and M scene and Dominatrix is also, also like playing parts in that film. So I think rather than like general actresses, it's more just like people you know or the people in the same kind of circles that you run around in. Just from my my understanding, anyway. So have you gotten connected with a lot of the people that um, are in the scene, like the JSKD or the KT Trilogy type people, or you kind of keep clear from? Um, no, I, I don't really. No, I don't really go to those, or I haven't been to those like um, events to be honest. So no. Um, no, I, I've I've met um. Oh God, what was that film? The um the Blood Runner films. Yeah. I've um I've met the girl from from those films uh, a couple of times. Um, she was very very sweet girl. We kind of we you kind of like bump into the same people a lot of the time, like going into like various bars or clubs or something. I guess in that sense, I, I'm I'm I know some people just because you kind of you go to the same places, they go kind of thing. But, um, right, but it's just I'm not passing, really involved. Yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be able to like you know, call them up and be like, hey, be in my next film and, you know, cut, cut right. your arm off or something. It's, <laughs> Would yeah. you have her if she wanted to? Um, it depends on what I was making um, and if the role called for it. I wouldn't want to, like, just employ someone just for the sake of them being there if it didn't okay. fit the role. I think, so it's more based um, on the it, actual art of what you want to make, not actually based on the actress, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think my, my new film as well, it's it's very kind of, despite it being very fucked up, it's also very like 
fantasy based it's it's like it, i like difficulty breathing you you kind of blur the line of reality and fantasy and those are the kind of films that i've been enjoying making recently so it's not like that like it's like it's half real as in real people like cutting themselves or real people having sex on the screen or something it's um i don't make those those kind right. of right you're not you're not in it for that side of the fetish no. or fetish shock side yeah no i like i, I love Obviously, horror is horror, but horror is also fantasy in my eyes, and I love the the fant- fantasy side of horror, like suspending that that the disbelief. Do you collect any extreme fetish, or do you mostly stick with gore? Then, um, if, I mean, um, I guess in that sense, I've got plenty of extreme fetish films, <laughs> but I think like. Things which also blur the line between fetish and horror, so like the uh, the Harakiri films, of like people just like cutting open their bellies and pulling their guts out, mm-hmm. is, is as well as it being very like erotic of just like naked woman slowly dying as she rips her guts out. There's also that that um, special effects and horror esque side in there. Um, so yeah, even like my extreme fetish films, uh, borderline fantasy. Um, as opposed to just like straight up kind of like cutting or shitting or vomiting or something right. like frog girl versus you know just <laughs> sure <laughs> what the fuck is frog girl no don't no that's good around i guess i can look it up if i really kick oh don't look up frog girl <laughs> <laughs> so the um the the villain in this film han he's um he, I, I met him very, very soon after moving to Japan. Also, going back to a Shintaro Kago Shit Film Festival. Um, I went to that in 2016. That's where I met Han. Um, and yeah, from there we just became friends. He's always helped me out in films that I've been making, as well as being in the new film. He's just uh, really being very visually, visually upsetting looking guy. Sorry, it's <laughs> um, my dog. Hold on. Hmm? You done? Oh, sorry. Did you say something? It was my dog barking. Sorry if you heard it in the audio. <laughs> yeah, just talking about Han, the um, the villain in this film, is um, yeah, just one of those guys that I met in Japan, and I still see regularly to this day. And he was just kind of that that perfect um, match of just looking visually kind of creepy in his in his natural way, but um, also being very on board and literally doing anything, but that I asked him to do. And um, he's actually the, the, the villain in the in the new one as well, so he's reprising his role oh, in, my, cool. uh, in my future film. So yeah, lots more of hands to look forward to. Japan, do you live? Uh, Osaka. Oh, okay. So um, the place... Actually, yeah, the, the place I filmed this in, this was my old apartment. Um... <laughs> it was in the the slums of Japan. It's it's, I mean, it's considered the most dangerous place of Japan, which by America or English standards means it's not dangerous at all. But um, it's kind of like it's very very dirty and run down, and it's it's where all the yakuza and everyone like come and hide out in. It's that slum area, and. Um, and I lived here for four years in this like really beaten up apartment, which was kind of like 
half built illegally and um and i think the um the previous tenant something happened with the previous tenant so my rent was cheaper than it should have been as well which like and all those things combined kind of had a lot of influence in making difficulty breathing um people who had like come to my apartment would definitely say like this room is haunted you had definitely have ghosts in here and like you would hear like scratching through the walls and see shadows this is all like i'm seriously talking now like it was fucking scary living here um and a lot of that was kind of an influence in making difficulty breathing So what was the idea with doing the live um, performance? Was that something you toured with, or did you just do that one and do a recording? Or um, so I wanted to. I've been playing around with like 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 uh, visuals and, and noise um, for a while, and doing uh, screenings of your film is always great fun uh, you know I've, I've screened difficulty breathing as it is uh, plenty of times throughout japan but um it comes to a point where i don't know you just keep showing the same thing again and again and it gets tiring and i thought a, a way to make it a bit more interesting would to be kind of perform that noise the audio side of things live um so because there is no uh, dialogue really in this film and because I had been kind of making noise previously anyway I thought it'd be cool to just like screen it and do the live screening uh, live noise to kind of like go alongside the the screen the screening um, and yeah and by doing that you know it makes the film fresh every time and it, each time is different it just makes it a bit more exciting and it adds that new kind of like that, that new sides to the screenings um, as opposed to just the film as it is. Uh, I'll still play the film as it is sometimes, but it's nice when you can make it into kind of um, a live show and have a different kind of experience each time. And oh, is sometimes... This... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just saying sometimes like um, I do it in collaboration with other people. So like it's more of a kind of like an art uh, event or something so my friend is a dominatrix she'll do some like body painting or do some like a bondage thing in front of the screen so like the uh the screen like uh reflects or the image reflects onto the model's body and this kind of stuff so it's just something i've been playing around with and i've done that at like i don't know probably half a dozen times or so so far and um uh, maybe i'll do it again like once we kind of get out of this pandemic <laughs> Yeah, it's stuck so many projects right now. So. It's kind of I'm interested to see how many uh, projects come out of everyone just sitting here writing and just thinking of ideas, but they can't. And all of a sudden, mm. once everything's fine, there's going to be like a million projects. Yeah, um, I mean, that'd be great. I've heard, you know, you hear those like lockdown movies of people just like filming entire films in their, yeah. in their bedroom, like on their own kind of thing. It's like an artist boom instead of like baby boomers. It's like artist boomers. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, difficulty breathing was a was it was a great Corona film. Um, <laughs> everyone stuck inside, and then um, the film about the uh, the agoraphobic lady. I think during mm -hmm. during like uh, last year, I think it was during the um, when everyone was in lockdown. I had this film just up for free for everyone to watch to kind of 
keep them entertained through the uh, through the isolation. I don't think it helped anyone at all, but it was it was there for people who wanted it. So by the way, I like your minimalist uh, approach to your DVDs, um, but I have to ask, I was curious on how you printed or who printed the, the all black disc, because mm. I really liked it, uh, even though it's just so minimalist. It's... Uh, the, was that the live the live? Yeah, disc? the live one that's just all black. Mm. Um, oh, I get all my discs from the same place. Um, what's that? What's that place? It's a, it's a US manufacturer. Uh, Kunaki, is it? Um, and yeah, I just, just made the, the disc black. <laughs> yeah, it's simple, but it's effective. Thanks. Yeah. Even the VHS uh, too, what? where it's just like, there's just the sticker in the front and everything else is black. It's just kind of... Yeah, everything that is that I've done is just very DIY, um, because, you know, I never have any, I don't know, never have any money or really much interest from, from labels, um really want to put anything out I've done I guess also because everything I've done so far has, has been short films it's difficult for um I don't know to get any sort of outside distribution so when I was saying I'll is... talk to you a little bit um mm. you, he mentioned a little bit that he wanted to talk to you or maybe he you briefly talked or something but I think that'd be an interesting endeavor yeah yeah I think um yeah we were talking about maybe doing like a um a Blu-ray. He said he wanted to put out everything that I've done so far on Blu-ray, um, and I think we're going to do like the difficulty breathing Blu-ray at some point, um, which is kind of yeah, we're in the talks for that, um, and seeing what other kind of like extra features that I can like dig up or maybe make for like a new release, like maybe get Ulan and Ham back for like an interview, you know, five years after the fact or something, maybe just reflect on the filming kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like so. Gordon seems to be, be good cool. too. But... Sorry. Oh, Gordon seems to be good too. That new company um, I kind of just started. They they're putting out just like a bunch of shorts, collectives, and things for D or for Blu-rays. Like they did that uh, for yeah. White, White Gardenia. Oh yeah. I um, yeah. They, they did message me actually, but um, I don't think I'm gonna do something with them. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. But yeah, so basically everything has just been very homemade up until this point. So that's I think that's probably why everything is very simple because I don't really have the uh, the ability to do the the, the quality that a, that a label can put out. Film looks a lot more professional than a lot of the stuff in the underground. I think, and I think it's just because of how well lit it is. So that really goes a long way. Is everything hundred yeah. percent? Yeah. For sure, oh, yeah. everything is very crystal clear because of your lighting. That's good to uh, hear, actually. Yeah, thank you very much. The lighting was was a pain in the ass to do. I'm not gonna lie. Um, I actually haven't thought about that for a long time. You just reminded me. So, obviously, the room that we're filming in is is very very small. My old apartment. But there's only like so many places that you um, can put a light. So <coughs> after every shot we did, we had to move everything around to shoot like the, the next shot so move the lights into a different corner etc etc and um the final we're coming up to the final scene where Ulan is literally running around the whole apartment we had to like um coordinate that um so precisely as to not like show any lights so there's lights like 
coming out of like the toilet and the bathroom and tucked behind the kitchen and in the cupboard so as to like illuminate the whole apartment but not kind of reveal any lights mm -hmm. that was definitely a challenge we had to work with yeah i'm sure there's been some leds that have helped a lot but mm. yeah and uh, the, the lights actually um yeah my my photographer friend lent me these um he just came dropped off a bunch of lights helped me set them up and it yeah, was on his way and he provided lights for um the last uh, scene of my new film as well. So he's been very helpful and supportive throughout all my films I've done in Japan so far. Mm -hmm. Otto, his name is, yeah, he's awesome guy. Very, you know, I, I, I owe him a lot, definitely. Like the shadow stuff of hand, like coming through the yeah. doors, like, you know, that's all just, and just dancing in front of a light, essentially. Well, it reminds me, yeah, of something, you know, more in tone of someone that, understands photography and is playing with shadows and understands transition of light and stuff instead of just mm. so it's good use thank you yeah oh, so this is where it gets kind of a little bit dark in the film <laughs> i'm not saying this for a while the score um provided by writhe at my friend's project um is obviously instrumental in making the atmosphere of this film um this that that like the kind of slow like almost like a, a metronome uh really builds the tension to this scene i felt mm -hmm. it kind of reminds me of silent hill oh yeah <laughs> do you typically use the same people do your music no um so, when making this, I had the idea that I wanted to make it very, very noisy. Um, and I kind of took to Facebook and said, you know, I'd send out a, a post, you know, who's making noise, who wants to help with this new film I'm doing. And, um, and more than I thought, a lot of people are making noise. <laughs> so everyone sent me their links and I, I gave them all a listen and... And I think um, the, the the reason that I ended up going with Ryth was because um, he the, the kind of like bio to his project. He was saying, you know, this um, the the music is for you know people who are suffering with uh, like anxiety or depression or uh, and kind of went through all these like um, you know mental illnesses and instabilities, which kind of reflected the same themes that I was wanting to. Uh, present in, in my film so they kind of just worked together and that was that was the only time that I've done anything with Rive and he kind of just like sent me loads of stuff and I kind of picked through his discography and I, I basically layered them out um, where I wanted them in the edit so he kind of basically provi provi provided me with a lot of tracks and um, I chose where to use them comes home did anyone making this film have experience with agoraphobia at all not that i'm aware of no like both han and ulan are really outgoing people like you you wouldn't believe how kind of you know uplifting and 
quirky and bouncy they all are. They're really just fun, happy people. So, as far as I'm aware, no one's had any uh, any problems with agoraphobia or, or depression, or anxiety, or any of the things that are being depraved here. Hands a bit weird though. So he might actually be a monster. I don't know. So this like view that Ulan's seeing of her in her bed and then the shadows, like that was where my actual bed was. And as I mentioned before, sometimes you would see shadows kind of on the other side of the uh, the partition. And that was where the idea for this come, came from. What are you using as fingers to extend? Oh, <laughs> that was a very, very cheap fix. Um, I, I just rolled up like, like there's just A4 paper. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, rolled up some A4 paper, put it into cone shapes, taped them to his fingers and face, and, and that was it. For some reason, I was hoping it was carrots. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah, everything was a very, very quick fix in this film. Oh, like, just things that we had, like, lying around. There was nothing, like, besides the um, the baby, nothing was actually really purchased in order to make this film. Everything was just things that I had. I like that song, that Rides track, that's a good one. Oh, the baby. So yeah, the, um, the eating of the, uh, the, the cornflower scene. Um, yeah, Ulan literally just ate a bunch of cornflower for me. The, um, <laughs> when, when I first made this film, that like the scene that happens earlier on in the film, like of like cooking up some food, um, that wasn't there initially, but when um, I showed the film to some friends, like as a kind of like uh, like test audience, so to speak, they they didn't quite get that she was just kind of eating corn flour. She, they thought it was kind of some Japanese snack or something. So they were like, "Oh, you should add I some, some sugar. kind of right." Yeah, it's it's not really clear um, unless you can like read read the bag or something, but. Um, so there was, my friends were like, oh, you should definitely like add a scene which shows kind of what that thing that she's eating later on is, explain that a little bit more, um, which is why there's that, that dumpling making scene earlier on oh, in the okay. film. But, um, but yeah, this is her eating eating flour and we, we had a lot of fun with that. She was literally just <laughs> jumping away at that bag of flour. Oh, so this baby... Um, this is like the only thing that I, I bought in order to make the film. Um, and 
this little baby thing is apparently um it's an accurate size of like a three month old um fetus mm-hmm. and what people are doing are, are like handing them out outside um abortion clinics apparently in in america and there was some people who basically in order to like try to dispersuade people from getting abortions they'll be like you know this is your three month old baby this is what you have in your stomach and they'll give these out to people to these poor <clears> women which is fucked up in itself um i wonder if james but, uh, bell's had any bought that way <laughs> sorry so i wonder if james bell's had he bought that way oh uh, james bell yeah, because he's had a lot of the fetuses that he sells those. I'm curious if he's had any, like, religious... And then Terry had one in, the, in Deviant, too. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, it's just the, it looked about the same size. Oh, really? <laughs> I wonder if the, I'm yeah, just wondering if they got in the same place. Could be, could be. Yeah, so, yeah, I had to, like, hand them out. I think that's completely fucked up. Um, but obviously, yeah, I thought, well, if it's, it's the perfect size and uh, it shows what I need to show, so I kind of just picked up a, a bag of them and painted them a little bit and uh yeah that's where i got this little baby thing from interesting but yeah i wouldn't be surprised if if the same baby like appears in a bunch of films i think that's I a, james bell makes those he has like he, he mm. makes his own like baby fetuses i'm just curious if he's had any religious people do any anti-abortion things with it right <laughs> And the, uh, the 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 previous the scene that just played of her like in front of her little homemade altar thing. So in in Japan you have these like butsudan things. It's yeah you kind of it's essentially an altar for the dead, and you have a little bit of incense and stuff. And it's quite common to have one of those in your house if someone in the family has died. Um, and we not normally you, you do like one one little stick of incense is is standard. But I kind of wanted to make a like a, I wanted to get a lot of smoke coming out of there. So we're like, fuck it, let's just let's just burn them all, which is not done. You don't you don't burn them all because we soon found out why the whole bloody room like filled up with smoke. <laughs> like there's so much smoke came out of those things, and um, and they just stunk up the entire apartment for ages. But it had a nice little smoke effect, so I guess it was good for the shot. My baby's actually now in my lap watching the movie, so... Oh, no. (laughs) I see. I remember, like, pitching the... All right, his eyes are recovered now. (laughs) (laughs) Telling uh, Ulan about this scene. All right, here's what you're going to do. She was just like, what the fuck? It's like, so I'm going to have to get my tit out and feed this, like, dead little baby. I was like, yes, please. She was like, okay. I'm, like, I'm singing a nursery rhyme as well and, like, soothe it back to sleep. And she, she was just like, well, okay, I'll do it, but it's kind of fucked up. It's the best kind of art, though. <laughs> do you use the baby sounds when you do the live show? Like, do you have a, a sample of, like, the baby sound? Um, so when I do the live shows, I basically stripped out, stripped off all of the, the noise and left all the sound effects in. So you have, like, the baby screaming and the, and the, the door banging and Ulan screaming and running around and stuff. But all, like, the, the actual noise um, is 
I do on my oh, own kind of thing. It's like so a, the, lot, a lot more intense, right? Uh, the 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 live show. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's it's because like these recorded tracks are obviously pre-recorded. And when you do record it, you can layer things and layer and layer and layer. I think I layered like three different tracks on top of each other for this oh, one okay. scene. So it's difficult to like match that intensity when you do it live because I only have a limited amount of like synthesizers and pedals and this and that. Okay. Obviously, I try to I try to match the intensity, but. Yeah, so it gives more of like an analog sound than a digital sound, probably. Mm, yeah. Um, but I, I don't know. this scene of her, she's like washing her hands, but the idea was her water's been cut off because she's not paying her rent cause, or, or her water bills because she never left the apartment. I'm not sure if that, if anyone picked up on that. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, the live stuff is that there's. Uh, it's hooked up to the laptop, which is playing the um with the uh the the movie but it's all just like banging and babies crying and nothing else left in the soundtrack which is pretty noisy on its own to be fair this is inspired by Eraserhead at all or um no not, not as far as I'm aware I don't know maybe subconsciously but no so this is the scene where I had like lights tucked in everywhere like in the toilet and the bathroom and kitchen and in the cupboards it was a really fun scene to film actually we, we did it like two or three times um, just her running around the whole apartment screaming um, watching out for lights <laughs> yeah <laughs> And actually, yeah, oh, here, so she, she actually um, rips out the light um, socket. So when it goes dark, I think around here, in her kind of like frenzy, like now it just went dark, she kind of accidentally pulled the, um, the plug out of the plug socket. So as I'm like filming her, I'm like reaching for the plug and trying to like plug it back in whilst filming her simultaneously. Uh -huh. Probably added to the jitteriness to the shot too. Or something. Yeah, pretty much the whole time it was just the two of us. Like apart from obviously when Ham was there, there was there was no one else, so it kind of allowed us to be more free um, and allowed Ulan to be a bit more like crazy in her performance. There was not really many people around. I think this um, this choking scene. I wanted like a really really long choking scene, um, and I, this was actually definitely inspired by uh, Antichrist by Lars von Trier. Like that, there's a really long choking scene that just kind of goes yeah. on and on, and definitely takes an influence from that, um, as well as fitting in with the themes of difficulty breathing. Um, 
Yeah, I just wanted a real shark out there. You can hear very faintly just now, like, uh, I don't know, an ambulance or a police car drive past. You can hear the siren kind of lead into the soundtrack a little bit. And we've been filming, like, for hours, and the whole time Ulan was, like, crying and screaming and running and banging. And we thought, actually, the neighbors had called the police or something on us at one point. So we kind of stopped filming. We were like, shit, that's the police here or something. But luckily, they just carried on on their way. Yeah, some neighbors peeking through. Like, I think they're making a snuff tape. It's like, <laughs> like no. <laughs> A friend told me that this that this uh phone like ringtone haunts him now after after he saw this film that every time his phone rings his like tension just like escalates right trauma he always changes ringtone maybe he wants to be haunted sure. <laughs> hey so that was that awesome. yeah no thank you very much great job thank you thank you for watching and listening it looked great yeah no, for sure. That was I. I've seen it before. I appreciate it, but seeing with you is good to see your perspective on a lot of things. So, appreciate all mm. your input. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's looking at the um the end role here as well. The credits, like, there's so few people involved in making this film. It's really just like a very small handful of people. And so I think, with our with our limitations, I think everyone everyone's like cooperation involvement. I think we did a. Did a fairly good job making this, if uh, if it's all right for me to say. Yeah, that no, for film. sure. <laughs> no, like going back into the lighting and everything, and you know, it's it was done really, really well. So, what's mm. in the special features? Is it um, anything? Um, so I'm trying to remember. So there's the behind the scenes, the like kind of, of making it, of, behind the scenes photo yeah. gallery. Yeah, here. then I think that the the highlight for me, I guess, would be the Japanese premiere. Like we um. We did the screening, the first screening in the film that I actually met uh, Ulan. It's in, in the in the shop, the bar that I met Ulan in, and it's this crazy little place in the slums. Um, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, weird folk go there, do performances and screenings and live shows and stuff. And yeah, so then we did the premiere there. And I love this like making of as well because it's it's pretty much just us like laughing the whole time. I'm like clearly having a good time making it. Yeah. So uh, on this part, I, um, anybody wants to unmute themselves, they're welcome if they want to ask any questions. Um, and if you don't want to, you can also just ask in the chat. Uh, Peppa, Peppa Pepperoni had a question about the color correction. Um, did you do color correcting on this, or is that all the, the actual in-camera lighting that you did there? Um, I did do some basic color correction on it. I think um, I wanted everything to be very just dull um, to kind of reflect the mood of the film. So I think in terms of color correction, pretty much I just like turned the saturation for a lot of the shots like way down. Um, so it was just very just dull scenes um, as well as it being like the, the just like white bare walls and Ulan in black a lot of the time. It was kind of just, yeah, 
dull colors, very, very dull. So more than color correction, I think I just turned the saturation down a lot. So um, with the shorts that you did, you have a, this, um, I don't know the name of it because it's in, it's in Japanese, but it's the two shorts that you put together. Mm. Uh, what is the title do you, uh, in translation of, of that and also the name of the two shorts? So the, um, the, the, the DVD that I put out of those films, I call yeah. it just the, um, the, the vending machine collection or the, um, the Jihua, the uh, Jihua Hanbaiki collection in Japanese. It's, um, two short films about vending machines, essentially, um, <laughs> uh, vending machines have been a huge part of Japanese culture, which is something which has always infatuated me living out here. Um, I decided to make two films based on vending machines, which is ridiculous. Um, the first one is Unkohi, uh, which kind of translates to like a shit coffee. Um, it's like a wordplay title, um, which I made for Shintaro Kago's shit film festival. Um, and yeah, that's just about a man who buys this like vending machine shit coffee and slowly erodes into shit, essentially. Um, which actually I won an award for in the, in the festival, which is bizarre. And the, uh, the next one is uh, Jihanko, which is um, another play on word for like um, for vending machines and the, the Japanese slang for cunt. Um, and it's about a man who has a, a sexual fetish of vending machines and like fingering the coin slot and stuff and essentially views vending machines as if they were women and, and has sex with them. Uh, so yeah, those two strange um, Japanese vending machine films, uh, Unkohi and Jihonko. No, to pick that up, that's the only thing I haven't had. It's been in my, uh, actually in my cart for a while, just holidays and whatever, but I mean, meaning mm -hmm. to pick it up. Um, yeah, they, um, they were fun little shorts to make. Like, um, I think because Difficulty Breathing took a lot longer to make than expected. Um, the next two films that I made, those two vending machine films, um, I kind of told myself like, just to spend a single day on them. So mm -hmm. I did literally half a day of filming, half a day of editing, and then I just cut myself off as to not spend, you know, days like I'm in an R in about different cuts and sounds. So they're not they're not perfect by any means. They're very, once again, haphazardly made. But um yeah, they're very I don't know, they're light, fun little shorts. You ever thought about doing a montage again of where you introduce yourself and in, are in your films? No, <laughs> no, I, I don't really like being on camera, to be honest. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really have much of a, um, an online, um, what's the word? yeah, I, I very rarely upload pictures of myself or I don't really like being on film or on camera or anything. So yeah, yeah, the thought of me kind of like coming back onto like a, a screen, like as in like in the rope made and be like, hi, I'm Guy, welcome kind of thing. It's probably won't be, yeah, won't be anytime soon at least. So explain your, your name thing your, um, that you have issues with of going by Guy Pierce or Guy whatever. And, um... So yeah. Um, so basically, well, Guy Pierce is my name. That's my, my real name. Um, so when I made the Road Maiden, I just like, well, I'll just make it under my name because that's my name kind of thing. Um, and then obviously, as, as I said before, I wasn't expecting like anyone apart from a very, very small handful of people to actually watch it. Um, so obviously this is before like 
Facebook like pages and groups where people like you know share their their like uh, underground gore favorites and this and that. So back then there was no kind of there was no real chance of it kind of being spread around or getting to like be known by like outside people as in outside from my YouTube subscribers. Um, so I just kind of just took it uh, went made it under my real name um, because I didn't really think it would ever amount to anything. Um, But then, then a few years later, I made the made difficulty breathing, carried on making things, and then, um, and then I was like, "Shit, I wish I had fucking done stuff under a stage name because you know, obviously, you search my name, Guy Pierce, you're never going to get me. You're going to get the Australian actor." Mm. So, um, so in the end, I just went under just Guy. I just took, took the Pierce off. My name is just Guy, so I make things under Guy. Um, once again, the the main people who still watch my films are people from my youtube days my old channel was sculpting fragments so i kind of just do like a presented by sculpting fragments directed by guy thing so it's a kind of just a, a little bit of a it's a bit of a fuck up um yeah but yeah <laughs> but you never go by guy fragments and that's only just by facebook that's just yeah just by facebook um i originally have my name as sculpting fragments just on on facebook as well but then they forced me to change it because that's not a real name um so i was like oh fuck and i didn't want to put my my real name up there because I, you know i like to keep some kind of separation between my my private life and my kind of uh, movie making public life so to speak so i was like fuck it just guy s fragments with sculpting fragments and and that's kind of i don't know yeah what people refer to me as which can't be helped like it's it's yeah it's a big fucking mess which is all my fault to be honest <laughs> i thought about that as well and i've thought about just kind of losing my identity and just going by like the whole name of the company essentially but if you want to contact me it's just via email eventually but i don't know i just also mm. like the whole attitude of kind of building an um like a closeness with everyone and so mm. kind of being is like your personal life is kind of like part of the charm of everything mm. like you know so the, mm. i don't know so it's it's hard to so we'll see because I, I also don't want to get myself in trouble later in the road you know but i don't know sure 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 gonna be that's always been like the thing yeah like you have to walk that fine line of having this you know something which i guess you know for a lot of people would be kind of socially unacceptable you know doing like weird fetish things and making fucked up horror films where people eat babies and shit. And then your your professional work life where you have to pretend to be a very normal person for five days of the week, you know? Mm -hmm. You don't have... I would, I would, I'm always kind of careful not to... Uh, well, to make sure that my, my filmmaking life doesn't kind of bleed too much into my, my personal life, so to speak. Have you had any issues of people... Like hate mailing you um, or causing issues? Nah, very, very rarely. I think you know maybe back like when um when I was doing YouTube or something. You know, this is going way back. You know, you you get hate mail, which which I really enjoyed actually. Yeah. Um, you know, stepping on people's toes is always fun to an extent, but there was never anything like really malicious. Yeah. I never had really like trolls or anything. So like people don't realize that people treat those as like free reviews you know as mm. i was like guess what this person doesn't like about my film this is awesome i want to post this everywhere <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah just yeah. to sell my shit you know like ooh, raunchy you know it's like i want to watch it now kind of attitude 
Sure, sure. That's why, like, you know, I occasionally like, see people's reviews, or people say, well, you know, oh, this film was shit, like, the road made it sucked, it would really was shit. And I kind of read the reviews, I'm like, yeah, they, they have a fair point. It, it is a bit shit, isn't it? <laughs> like, every, all, like, the negative things that get said about my films, like, I'm totally on board with, and I, I pretty much agree with, with most of them, the majority. Um, so so I, I definitely enjoy a bit of criticism and a bit of hate. Yeah. But I think mostly... It's been a. Uh, I've had a lot of positive feedback from, from the film. So um, someone was asking, have you do you arc, have you archived any of your old YouTube videos? And are you planning on putting any of those out? Um, I have them um, still like on YouTube, but set to private. So they are still. They're not lost forever. They are there for me to watch them if I ever want to, or if I ever want to make them public again. But um, I don't plan to. I don't think I will, to be honest. Like it's, um, you know, when when I started YouTube, it was purely because I wanted to talk about you know these fucked up films with with other people and um, and share all these like unknown films um, which are not which had not been talked about at that time. So like mm-hmm. Nikodarama and like the guinea pig films and, and all the Daisuke Yamanecha films. Like I, I primarily focused on like the weird and underground Japanese fucked up films. And back then they were so like unheard of and untalked about that there was no really, that there was no one talking about them. So I was the first person to talk about a lot of those films um, on YouTube at least. Uh, again, this is before like Facebook groups and, before companies have put out these releases. So, um, so they were very unknown to that point. But now it's all common knowledge. Like, you know, you, you go to YouTube and you can find a dozen reviews of Tumbling Dollar Flesh or, you know, you can buy that from Massacre Video. So yeah. my my <clears throat> my purpose of making that film was to kind of like spread the word, mainly because I wanted people to, to talk about those films with. Um, but now, like everyone knows about them so there's kind of yeah it's it, really doesn't, hard. it doesn't really seem like there's much point in in re-releasing or just keep talking about them anymore yeah that's kind of why i do kind of what i do because it's really hard to make original content especially even if it is you know based on a review of something because yeah, everyone else has done it at least you know being able to talk to the actual artist and the director it's you know you get a lot more of a personal approach hmm I but I think to. because, um, yeah, because I was, like, very early on in the game, so to speak. Like, I think because, like, yeah, I was the earliest, if not one of the earliest people to do that kind of content. People are still, like, really, they really fondly reflect on it and they still talk about, you know, YouTube. And, and I think the people that watch my films are the people who watch my YouTube, like, 10 years ago or something. So I think that... A lot of people, yeah, still stuck around from them because um, I may have been that like um, that gateway that introduced them to a lot of those films. So yeah, I definitely like really appreciate everyone's um, like support and like continued like interest in those little videos that I took like ten years ago now. So yeah, really, really touching. <laughs> No, it's cool. I mean, everyone has their start, you know, and they have to go from somewhere and it's, it's kind of like their segue or gateway into whatever they are now. And, and you can choose mm. to showcase that or not, but, it, you know, it's where you started. So. Mm, yeah. And I think like if I didn't do 
that YouTube back then, or if I had done the YouTube like a little bit later, I think the the people that are the watching my films would be far less than they are now. You think so? so I stepped away for a second, but because um, the baby. But um, did you, did you answer the question yet on where you can find your old YouTube videos? No. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah we, you we, can't. We're, just, we're just talking about that. <laughs> um, oh, but he, <clears throat> somebody was asking about live streaming. If if you if you it has to be through um, your DVD sales, um, or can you stream this anywhere? Um, the, the the movies I don't this have any, one, or this uh, one or any of them in general. No, I don't have any um any streaming platform or anything like on demand or anything set up to be honest. Yeah. Okay, that was just one of the I think um yeah I I might look into it to be honest, but uh I think with like this community and the people that watch these underground like horror films, a lot of the people are collectors themselves, and I think a lot of people have. And I enjoy owning the the physical media and like the numbered edition and, and the signed stuff and this and that. So I've never really thought about an on-demand or like uh, pay for streaming option. Um, but I, know, I, I might maybe, but it's not something I'm really considering at this point. Maybe for the new film once I've once I finish that because that's going to be like my first feature, and I'm going to try to explore a lot of different options with that one. Yeah. So, what are your some of your prize um, like things in your collection? Because I saw some of your DVD collection when you're on the presses on the side, Eric. What are some of your top ones you've seeked out and found? And oh, from my collection. Yeah. Um, oh, so, I mean, I've, bloody hell, I've been collecting for so many years. It's just I forget what I have. I mean, half of it's in England, half it's in Japan. But at least, like off the top of my head, um, obviously the old. Chosen Fukui films, definitely. I like Metal Days, um, which is still unwatchable, like unobtainable to this day. Um, there's no, there will never be a release of that, actually. Um, so that's definitely, yeah, that at Gerarist, those early Chosen Fukui films. Um, I recently picked up the uh, the Mersbo, um, like, medical... I don't know what you call it. It's like the medical, like fetish video of just like noise and dissection but it's all like prosthetics and stuff like the harakiri oh. things um god what else have i got i wanted like going back like again probably 10 years or so one of my my favorite pieces that i got and still love is the um the untold story like bun box set thing yeah um yeah, it's like because it's massive. I think it was that put out by Dragon DVDs or Dragon something. You open up and there's like chopstick and some like pork buns in there. And, oh well, yeah. Um, Reminds me of like what Ryan Ryan Nicholson would do and some of the things they do that to go box thing where it was all done in like a little Chinese to go box. Oh yeah, I had that. I had that actually. I don't know what happened to that. I, had I saw that it up on point. YouTube. They have someone selling it. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I thought I've thought about picking it up. It's not a bad price either. So I'm like, eh, I might. <laughs> mm, yeah, Ryan Nicholson's films. He 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 did a lot of like cool special edition stuff, like the colostomy bag thing as well. Yeah, I have I that big box of point. the three VHS. That apparently it was mm. his too. The one that came from his private collection that he sold to somebody. So I have like his one that he had. Uh, oh, awesome. That's it. I think like 
people in this community they love they love a physical release and they love something like special and you know, yeah. like looking at um uh, you know looking at facebook and the things which um people are really enjoying at the moment seems to be the um that degenerates and bath bunny box set kind of thing with like yeah. little things from the film and signs this and that i know I, and it's funny because i didn't buy any of those box sets i bought um his t-shirts for each and that's kind of the what i didn't why i didn't because i wanted to get his films and also a shirt so i was like mm. well if i'm gonna do that i might as well just buy the shirt and the dvd by itself and not spend a ridiculous amount of money mm. but, I think yeah, people love the the little momentums from films. You know? Yeah, um, and I still bought the Polaroid though. I bought one of the Polaroids, which I'm glad I oh, got. Oh, nice! Yeah, it's like a little keepsake, which I think this uh, this community definitely like thrives on. And it's you know, I think going back to when um, Stephen Barr did the uh, the American Guinea Pig like Indiegogo and just like auctioned off loads of props and things like fingers yeah. and heads and guts and arms and legs and like nails and stuff and everyone was able to like have a little kind of like keepsake of this like you know now legendary gore film. Yeah, and I think um, that also inspired a lot of people to do that kind of stuff, like just sell off stuff, whatever they could accumulate from filming. No, that's how everybody got me getting me really into it is kind of when I started finding those first editions of things and all that and you get hooked mm. when you start getting those like really rare awesome finds mm, yeah but, I um I did that with the the Rome maiden when I when I first released it, I included like a, a bloody Polaroid in in like the uh, VHS and DVD box set kind of thing mm-hmm. um and then this film, the, the the film that I'm editing now, my feature film, I've got so much stuff left over from filming. I've, I've got like a room full of arms and legs and guts and stuff. So I think yeah. again, yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can get rid of some of that and try and try and make back some of my losses from filming. Yeah, no, for sure. It seems like a good time to sell. Um, and I don't know, it's a weird market right now because everyone's either really selling out their entire collection or broke as fuck. So it's. <laughs> Sure. Um, I think, yeah. like, oh, wish I had money to buy all this stuff that people are selling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, for instance, like I got your um, Rope Maiden VHS by a guy that's just selling out his collection, and um, and I looked oh, up, awesome. which is funny, that um, awesome. the one that Lost Witch um, put out, and um, mm-hmm. I'm really glad to have that one for sure. Awesome. Thank you very much. Um, how many of those come out, um, by the way? The uh, the which one? Sorry, the lost witch one of the rope maiden. He he did like uh, two different variants. Um, one of them was the, I think that was the pink cover, mm-hmm. that which one, uh, yeah. had uh, artwork by Martin Trafford. I think there was 25, I could be wrong, but it was something like that. And then there was like the um, the gore cover, which I believe there was maybe 11 of. Okay. So yeah, both very, very limited. Yeah, um, and I thought about getting into trying to find the other ones, but I I gave up because I I know I'm never gonna get Green Elephant, so I'm just like I'm over it. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm happy to what I have, what I have, yeah. and if I find one cool, but the Lost Witch ones are really hard to find for sure. Yeah, I wouldn't like to uh, try and start collecting those. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm glad he did it, but yeah, the having only three that's such a rare thing mm, yeah 
I think the coolest thing I found recently was, uh, and I've always been was trying to find it, and I just uh, missed out on the opportunity to get um, Blood Porn when it came out for Vile Production. Which was Blood Porn? Blood Porn came out with uh, Sato Messiah. He does kind of like mix oh. of like erotic and um, he did um, uh, Hatred, um, which was oh, okay. popular. Um, yeah, but um, but Jonathan put it out, and he gave him the first edition, um, mm. as you know, kind of like usually you do to the first director or to the director. And then I guess mm. he sold that copy to somebody, and then that person sold it. So now I I have that first copy, and I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> nice, nice. And I even nice. asked the person, like, how'd you get it? And then they were like, oh, I just met him at a conference, and um, we had a cool conversation, and he sold it to me. I was like, mm. interesting. <laughs> Nice, nice. Yeah, it's always nice to have those little, those little special editions and one-offs and things. Yeah. yeah, that's what kind of keeps this this whole community thriving. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, especially on the collecting side, if you're like a true collector versus just like wanting the film just to say the, I want to see it. There's like editions, you know. Like mm. I've got when I started getting to the point where I had like four copies of something, I was like, okay, I know. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been there. It's uh, it's kind of upsetting when you're like, shit. I have I have all these films like again and again, once over. I need to see it and then start just getting rid of them because I get pissed off that I have the same film again and again. <laughs> yeah, I find myself actually getting rid of Blu-rays more than like my DVDs, which is funny. Mm. Um, but yeah, I. Does anyone else have any more? Uh, questions? I'm kind of out of questions, to be honest. So. Okay, I'll do my closing words then, if that's alright. Yeah, yeah awesome. for sure. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, thank you for all who tuned in, and whoever will watch this one after it's done. Um, yeah, I did work yeah, like, yeah. Nice one. Um, I think it made my baby barf, so uh, good job <laughs> on that. Uh, at least it wasn't Eden. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, I'll be posting some uh, some news about my my new feature film um, at some point over the next few months, and hopefully have that up by the summer. Uh, so if anyone enjoyed Difficulty Breathing, I think you will enjoy this new film. Um, I won't say the title as of yet or what it's about, but I think yeah, if you liked this film, there's definitely something for you in a new one as well. So please uh, look forward to that. And what all sites are you on? Are you on Twitter or anything like that? Yeah, I am on Twitter. Um, Twitter is like used actually more than any other social media in Japan. So for Twitter, that's kind of generally, uh, I only really tweet in Japanese. Um, huh. But I pretty much post the same stuff there as I do like on Facebook or uh, or Instagram. Um yeah, I think Facebook. Um, I have I have my sculpting fragments production page. I think that's where you'll get like any sort of information regarding my new films on, and that's probably the most easily accessible page that I have running. I do have a quick question on uh, on your hmm. ratio of fans between like US, UK, and Japan. Like, where are you more popular? Hmm. Oh yeah, I want to know that too. Actually, um, I would probably say almost definitely america um i think a lot of the uh orders that i get coming in uh, for my films are from america and um, probably second to that is germany there's a lot of german fans because germans love their gore um 
definitely. I think up until very recently, um, I've been completely unknown in Japan. Like the only people that watch my films are those like people around me or people who helped out my, my group of friends or something. Um, but I went down to, um, to Tokyo last month um, for, do you know uh, Catsick Blues uh, by, by Dave Jackson? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, movie? Seen that yeah. yeah, I want to see that. I have. It's a, it's yeah, a fantastic it. film. It's it a, looks it's really a, it's cool. Absolutely fantastic film, and that's that had a screening down in Tokyo uh, last month, huh. and we went down for that together. He's he's also living in Osaka, and actually he helped out on my new film as well. But we went down together to see that screening, and and completely like unaware, unbeknownst to me, like they also screened the Rope Maiden in a in a a pre-event the day before and they kind of like got me up on stage as well along with Dave and the other directors to do like an interview and um and they talked about the road maiden and the difficulty reason this and that and um and then since then Twitter has kind of been a bit more active in talking about my films from the the Japanese community which is really cool I'm really happy to to see that um because yeah it's been a very very slow struggle <laughs> well, not really a struggle it just hasn't been a thing so yeah, uh, and I mean, up until very recently, yeah, it's been primarily um, America and Germany, and it's slowly, slowly becoming a little bit of Japan as well. Yeah, I've noticed that this for sure is that you have to kind of just keep going. Like, even if you have like a few people watching or something like that, or one person, it's still good practice, and it just kind of gets you prepared and keeps you active. Yeah, it's something something to get you through, isn't it? Thank you very much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you all for listening. Yeah, no, thank you again. All right, I'll see you guys later.